Welcome to our podcast, To The Point, where we get to the point with entrepreneurs and business leaders who have transformed organizations by elevating brands and amplifying missions. I'm Leah McRae, founder and CEO at Crux, the unagency that fuels business growth for our clients and opportunities for our team. Today's episode is going to be different because we're flipping the script on our host, Ethan Whitehill. I don't like the sound of that. (laughs) (laughs) Ethan, today I am hosting our podcast and we are turning the tables on you, my friend. We are going to dive into your career, your creative journey, your role at Crux, and maybe anything else that you want to talk about. I'm an open book. (laughs) Are you ready? I'm ready. You're sitting in the hot seat. I, I am literally sitting in the hot seat. It's bright red, this <laughs> chair that I'm sitting in. Okay, Ethan, you've had a long career in marketing, working for brands of all shapes and sizes, wearing the hat of founder, CEO, chief creative officer, chief marketing officer. Can you tell our listeners how you landed on a career in marketing and maybe some of your favorite roles throughout the years? So I won't drag you through my childhood, but I'll start at college because I think college is when I really realized that I was interested in advertising and marketing as a career. Um, And the funny thing is my college didn't even offer a major in advertising, but they did have something called committee plan, which was a, a super cool program where you could design your own major, which that was just kind of give me the keys to the candy store. And I, <laughs> Literally. <laughs> I think that's probably where my entrepreneurial ADD started because <laughs> I, I realized all the really cool things I could get into. And I designed a program with three different professors who were my sponsors and we called it advertising and communications. Wow. And literally I got to do everything you would really want to do in college. So I took uh, a lot of writing courses. I took marketing. I took psychology, anthropology, photography, all these things, which, you know, ultimately I think was the right background for marketing because yeah. we, do, we do a lot of different things. We do. And, um, you know, I'm very grateful. My school was Westminster College. I should give them credit for allowing me to do that. Um, but, you know, it, it culminated at the end of my senior year in a thesis on Japanese consumer culture, which is really more of a, an anthropology paper than anything mm-hmm. else. But, you know, it was a great foundation because, um, you know, for me... I needed a lot of tools and I didn't really know. And like we all know, no one day is the same in marketing. So true. Uh, it gave me all the tools to, to jump in. And uh, they had in the program uh, a requirement to do an internship. And I had a few, but the one that was probably most significant in my career was with, at the time, what was called Montague Sherry. Um, Don Montague and mm-hmm. Judy Sherry were the founders of that agency. And I had a writer, I was a copywriter intern for them over a summer. And at the end of my internship, Don said, you don't need to go back to school and get your degree. And I said, yeah, I think I do. Plus, I knew I had all these fun classes, too, I wanted to take. Uh, And so the compromise was to send me back to my fraternity with a fax machine. And every day after school, I'd have a copy assignment sitting on the fax machine. A lot of people, young people might be listening, going, what's a fax machine? People don't even know what a fax machine (laughs) is anymore. So I, I would take my assignment off the fax machine, and I would fire up my brother word processor and I would type my assignments and I was killing it at $10 an hour writing copy for, oh, for what then became MMG. And when I graduated, I became a copywriter for MMG and I was fortunate to have some really good mentors there on the creative side. Um, and from MMG, I, I went client side. Actually, I was recruited by Feral Gas, worked for another great entrepreneur with Jim Farrell. 
um, running creative services for that group. And as I was doing it, and this is where I think our stories are very similar, I, I realized there were a lot of problems with agencies. Mm-hmm. Um, and the folks that I was working with, they were wonderful people, but the agencies just had issues. Mm-hmm. And um, I said, you know, there's got to be a better way. And that's really where I hatched a plan to, to start an agency with a couple partners at the time, uh, which became Two West. And that was it. I was 26. Um, Amazing. I was kind of too dumb to know better. And mm-hmm. that was good because I didn't know what I needed to be worried about mm-hmm. as, as we were starting this agency. And out of the gate, though, we were very fortunate because we worked with a lot of great Kansas City brands, AMC Theaters, Hallmark Cards, Cerner, Yellow, all of those um, kind of were foundational to us. And then we worked, we picked up about a year in, we picked up a little tiny spinoff of, of a telecom company called Sprint PCS. And uh, that was that was really where we started to take off because we became, and I think this is kind of unheard of today, like a 20-year partner to Sprint. It's amazing. Um, and they really, you know, I'm very grateful for what they gave us because, you know, they helped us solidify our position in the market. They gave us focus on our, our business and what we needed to do. And we grew from there. I love how the internship led to the launch of your career. That's what we try to do with our interns at Crux as well. And I think every entrepreneur has said there has got to be a better way, has said those words, right? Very cool story. Okay. So in my episode, when you were interviewing me, as we kick-started to the point, uh, we briefly touched on how we were introduced through Grant Burcham, who is my mentor through the Hemp Program. I'd love to hear your take on how we were introduced and what drew you to Crux. So I'll, I'll fast forward a bit from the time I started my agency. I'll pass through the, the 20 years of running it. <laughs> um, and in 2016, uh, I, I was kind of at a crossroads. Um, I saw that, it, this sounds funny, but we were almost too small and too big at the same time. And I knew that for us to grow in the way I wanted to grow, um, we needed to either get smaller and niche even tighter or get bigger and go broader. And our focus at the time was retail and shopper marketing. And and we were doing a lot of it, but with the changing kind of landscape of technology and the consumer journey, we needed all those capabilities to kind of tie things together. We needed digital, we needed above the line advertising and everything else. So I I started to hatch a plan to maybe go acquire a company and, um, I wasn't super excited about it because I'd done that before, and um, that's a lot of work. <laughs> well, it is, <laughs> um, and <laughs> you know, this. you know, we were about sixty-five people strong, and we were, you know, we were in a good position. But I also had, going back to my entrepreneurial ADD, I had the itch to to shake it up and do mm-hmm. something else. And while I was kind of thinking through this plan, um, I was contacted by uh, an M and A uh, consultant who I'd worked with in the past, uh, who was basically bringing me an opportunity. Another agency was looking to acquire in Kansas City, and they had identified us. And um, after a few conversations, I realized, you know what, this this is probably the thing. This is what I'd like to do. And, and so as a result of that, uh, we became one of the founding agencies in a roll-up called Sandbox. That was a national organization. And, you know, I did that for four years. And then Sandbox was eventually acquired by a company called Merge. And one day I woke up and I found myself working as the CMO for the agency that bought the agency that bought my agency. Uh, <laughs> and, you know, I thought, you know what, I think it's time to get back to my, my roots uh-huh. and kind of back to my purpose. So, you know, I, I decided it was probably time for me also to 
do what I love most, which was working with entrepreneurs, growing businesses, and doing that maybe as a fractional CMO. So I was hatching a, a, a plan that I thought was a good one. Uh, and I reached out to a, my trusted advisor and friend, Grant Burcham, who was also my banker for a long time. And I said, hey, let's have coffee. And I was explaining my harebrained idea to him while we were having coffee. He goes, yeah, that's a pretty good idea. He goes, but I got a better idea. Uh, do you know Malia McRae? And that was when the next chapter began. <laughs> we met. We hit it off. We started hatching plans. We're both visionaries, even. Yes. <laughs> so it didn't take long for those idea bombs to start. And here we are over two years later. So Ethan, I don't know how many of our listeners know this, but I know this about you. You're a big car guy, a car connoisseur, let's say. And I believe the Italian variety is your favorite. I'm very curious, Ethan, will you share with us how many cars do you actually own? <laughs> it depends. <laughs> <laughs> so the uh, there, there are some countable cars and some uncountable cars, oh, okay. I'll say. Um, so the cars <laughs> that count for me, uh, they're, they're about 12. Um, and I'm not counting my wife's car, and I'm not counting <laughs> the car that my son owns that I have the title to. Right. Uh, but yeah, my responsibility, 12 cars. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> I love to come into work today and see which car Ethan is driving, the car of the day. Speaking of cars, we sometimes refer to Crux as the red Ferrari. I'd love to hear your take on what that means and what it represents for us as a fast-growing business. Well, first, Ferraris go fast. <laughs> And we move fast. Mm -hmm. But there are also these beautiful hand-built machines that start as daring ideas when they're designing them. It's kind of audacious. And the finished product isn't a car. It's actually an experience. And I think Crux is a daring idea. And I think our own agency model offers clients an experience that no one else can match. Wow. This is why he's our president and chief creative officer. <laughs> that just gave me goosebumps. Well said. Okay, you have launched, worked for, worked with countless of these fast-growing red Ferrari entrepreneurial companies. What is it about that environment that's so appealing to you? I, you know, I really dig the entrepreneurial journey. I, I, I just, I find it fascinating. I love experiencing it myself. Um, and I really enjoy the world of what if that entre entrepreneurs live in. Uh, my favorite people and conversations revolve around solving problems and finding that white space in a market and the ideas to fill the white space. So that, to me, is, is really what draws me in. And what I've noticed after working with scores of entrepreneurs and founders is that company growth is not linear. It's actually cyclical. Revenue may be a straight line, but to achieve the revenue, you're constantly going from the known to the unknown, the certain to the uncertain, mm -hmm. one growth curve to the next, and you have to take these leaps, and it's almost swinging branch to branch. And <laughs> I'd like that. to do that successfully, you've got to have a North Star. You've got to know where you're going. You have to have a reason to exist, and you have to be comfortable in the chaos. Um, and the the best entrepreneurs very much are. And you know that's a core value of Crux that I really mm -hmm. enjoy is being entrepreneurial. I love that. Well, we are wired very similarly. That's why we work so well together. Leading and working for fast-growing companies is challenging, and we, we do like to say we're not for everyone, but we love the people that we are for. What advice do you have for entrepreneurs at the helm of these organizations to elevate to the next stage of their growth, the next stage in their business? 
I like that you used a nautical analogy. <laughs> because before I like cars, I like boats. Okay. <laughs> and if you've if you've never been sailing, it can be scary when the wind picks up and the boat heels way over to one side. You feel like you're going to slip off. But what you learn, though, is that that is perfectly normal and the boat's designed to do it. Uh, in fact, when you do it right, that means the boat is moving efficiently, using the tension between the water and the wind to move fast. And, and my advice is to embrace those external forces and learn to adjust your sails and take advantage of them. So whether that, that force is new competition, lost customers, technology change, weird economy like we're facing, mm-hmm. you know, they're not necessarily bad things and they actually can help you move to the next cycle. It's been really um, rewarding for me to have you by my side as we've been on this growth trajectory over the last two plus years. Ethan, how would you describe your leadership style? I know how I would describe it, but I'd love to hear how you would describe <laughs> I'd love to it. Hear how you describe yeah, it. I know. <laughs> um, and then next, what leadership lessons were impressed on you throughout your career that maybe continue to ring in your head today? Yeah, that's that's a really really good one. And I don't know if I think of it as a style as much as a philosophy. Um, I should. My dad taught philosophy, so maybe I get philosophical about things too much. But I think leadership starts with a clear sense of personal purpose and company purpose. You have to know yourself, um, and then you have to know the thing that you're creating and, and what the purpose is. And the leader's job is to align everyone's personal purpose with the purpose of the company. And I don't care what your title is, but I care deeply about where you find your purpose and how it fits with the job at hand. So sometimes it doesn't. And, you know, we have to figure that out. But it's my role as a leader to align that personal purpose with where we're going as a company. So going back to sailing, we're not going to get anywhere if our sails are all facing different directions. So we need to make sure that everybody is moving toward the same purpose. And I feel most connected with my purpose when I'm creating an environment that connects others with theirs. Mm -hmm. That's what I absolutely love. We say all the time, are we rowing in the same direction, right? as a leadership team. I really value and appreciate the positivity that you bring to our equation every day and the energy that you bring. It's just, it's fun to work with you. Speaking of that creative energy, one of the things I admire most about you is that you are a creative visionary. How has that creativity and forward thinking played a role in your career? You know, I think whether it's been in my job title or not, even when I was CEO of Two West, I've always considered myself a creative. Um, that's really foundational to, to who I am. And one of the things I love most about this industry is that you never stop learning. One day we're talking about trees, another day it's t-shirts, and maybe the next it's financial services, it's always different. And you have to live with voracious curiosity um, because there's no end. And I think that is sort of the, that's the fuel that, that feeds creativity. And what's really cool is all that learning and experience compounds over time. And you gain this power to apply things from one area to something completely different. And, um, you know, for me, true creativity is the ability to make new connections between, between things that man, the service seem completely disconnected. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I love, I love that. That's the aha moment for me. And when your work is so intricately tied to your passion, it can be all consuming. How do you continue to maintain and hone that creative energy? This may sound weird, but I'm, I'm a big believer in negative effort. 
not negativity, negative effort. And, you know, the best ideas usually don't come when you're trying really hard. Mm -hmm. Um, They happen the moment that you let your guard down. So I like to do things that downshift my brain from the high attention beta waves that are really busy to the creative alpha waves that are kind of slow and long. And, Mm -hmm. uh, you know, that might be something that happens when you're hiking in the woods or, say, driving a vintage car just enjoying that moment. And it's funny because as soon as I said that, <laughs> you know, it, one of the cars that I collect is Alfa Romeo's. Yeah, and, um, it is. <laughs> so maybe Alfa Romeo and Alfa Waves have something to do with each other. But, <laughs> but I just think we need to give ourselves permission to have that downtime, um, to have that sort of discovery and to allow those ideas to happen. What inspires your creativity? Everything. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I think mm-hmm. I think I find inspiration in everything, mm-hmm. and a lot of experiences. Um, you know, I the end goal for me though is is just creating a vision and then realizing the vision. You know, I I I just I'm inspired by seeing something that maybe others don't see, kind of making the invisible visible, and then um, bringing it to life in some way. Speaking of vision, thank you for that segue. What is your vision for the future here at Crux, Ethan, and also for the for your own personal future? So much together in these <laughs> yeah, last we have. two years. <laughs> and I, you know, I think the vision is getting tighter and tighter every day. And I, I feel it in our conversations. Mm-hmm. And I feel like every day we're we're discovering some way to to tune the Ferrari. <laughs> but right. you know, as we're as we're under the hood tuning the Ferrari, the engine under the hood doesn't change. Mm-hmm. So what's not going to change is this fractional CMO model. I think that is um, something we're just going to continue expanding. Yeah. And I can see us building even more kind of technology infrastructure to mm-hmm. support that uh, at scale, and that's going to be marketing automation. It, it's going to be AI. You know, one hundred percent, we're going to have to have those tools. But we won't let technology commoditize marketing. Instead, we're going to leverage it to communitize marketing, mm-hmm. uh, meaning we'll make Crux a community for fractional CMOs and clients. And so just like I said earlier, we learn so much from our team and our clients, and I think our clients can learn from each other. And so how do we facilitate that and, and make it you know, really a, a multiple-way conversation? We're both connectors at our core, are we not? Absolutely. So, because we're turning the tables, I'm going to be Ethan and have the 20-sided <laughs> die. So, you're going to roll this. All right. I'll show you the question so you can keep And me then, honest. yes, I'll keep you honest on the question. And let's get a good, let's get one we haven't had before. 13. What is your favorite urban legend that you believe is true? Oh, oh wow. this is good. This is a tough one. So, I was a big X-Files fan. Oh, interesting. I... I kind of dig Loch Ness. <laughs> I kind of do too. And, um, and and not because I think it's a dinosaur, but I do think there's something there. Mm-hmm. And whether it's a giant turtle or a whale, I don't know. It's something. But I'm excited that actually, I just saw recently that they're deploying all these people to go figure it out and they're sending drones into the water and everything. So wow, I'm going to say Loch Ness. Maybe Loch we'll Ness get monster. some, we'll get some answers yeah. finally on Loch Ness. I love it. Well, Ethan, this has been a delight diving into your story and hearing your vision for Crux. And by the way, no surprise here, we're in alignment on that vision. Uh, So thank you for letting me play Ethan Whitehill today as the host of To The Point. This was awesome. Thank you for joining us. Thank you. Thank you.